You're listening to a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNCast.com. We are the Elsers. Hello and welcome to Elsner's a production of Galactic Network. I'm Gregor Sprague and joining me is Corey Scott. And real quick before we get started, before all info on this show, including show notes and subscription links, go to elsnerds.com. And for other Galactic Network programs, go to gncasts.com. On Elsner's, we tend to shoot our mouths off without thinking, so we will both spoil things and swear liberally. You have been warned. Yep, Corey, it's how like you doing, one, It's like Szechuan sauce showing up at McDonald's. You finally get what you asked for? You were really wrong the entire time to want it. <laughs> it's sort of like the God, what's the other one that the 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 one that people are like, oh yeah, this thing totally existed when it didn't, like that Sinbad movie. Oh yeah, oh. the 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 thing that's basically they keep thinking it's Shazam starring Sinbad. Yeah. Uh, although it was Kazam starring With Shaq. Shaq, yeah. yeah. So, but it, it the. <laughs> So beep throwing there, and yes, it is throwing me. But he, he put um, Mulan clan motherfuckers, Mulan like, clan, like like Wu Tang. But so that's why I said Mulan instead of Mulan, which is sort of like, well, how would that be pronounced? Would it still be Mulan, or would it be? But it, would it be Mulan? <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I mean, I vaguely remember the Szechuan sauce when I was a kid because I was a kid when Mulan came out. I don't, I don't remember. Like, I'm not one of the people like, oh yeah, I gotta have it, gotta have it, gotta have it. It's more like. All right, if I go get chicken nuggets, I might be like, give me that and give me like give me one of the Szechuan, give me one of the whatever the other ones are that they have there. I don't even know what I don't go to McDonald's for chicken nuggets. I go to McDonald's for the one dollar cheeseburgers and then the regret afterwards. Yeah, exactly. I go to McDonald's for the regret. I occasionally get the nuggets as well. Uh no. <laughs> it it's also it's it's an attribution to the uh the cheapness of McDonald's that it used to be that you could just load up on the sauces. You could get all the different kinds. You could you could say, oh, yeah, and I'll take a honey mustard, and I'll take this, and I'll take this. And they didn't give a shit. They were just throwing packets at you left and right. Oh, and yeah. and now it's like, hey, you're 20-piece. You get three fucking sauces, and that's it, bitch. You know, and don't get riled up about it either, or we'll throw a milkshake in your face once the machine's fixed. I just... It used to have a different kind of feel. And... and I recognize that maybe people got abusive and maybe maybe people ordered too many McGangbangs and all that. But realistically, it's like, man, it is hard enough to make your cardboard fucking based food taste palatable. Give me every fucking sauce pack you have and 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 dip my nuts in the fucking Frogert. I just I don't know. Yeah. At this point in time, Szechuan sauce came back. It's not that big of a fucking deal. Uh, it certainly is a slap in the face for everybody who went and stood in line for it a few months ago and uh, couldn't get it and were paying hundreds of dollars for it on eBay. It's like, I don't know if it's the same sauce either. It doesn't taste like anything special, but it, it also is is a factor that it was a big fucking joke. Yeah, it's a bit in a cartoon. That cartoon has a, a hundred fucking references to things in an episode that's what's making it so funny that's why the audience is all in tune to it and and in this age of ready player one and nostalgia is just like busting your nuts every fucking turn you make it's cool for the cartoon it's not all that for the fucking reality 
in in the reality we don't give a shit it it's not special sauce it's just mcdonald's sauce on mcdonald's food hey i don't know what you're talking about about nostalgia says the guy who spent today building the firefly or the Serenity Valley, uh, firefly on minecraft rebuilding his prototype world and he found a better version of it where it's bigger and all that stuff so i'm like oh hell yeah i'm gonna build that on a multiplayer server here soon <laughs> and then built the avengers tower or was in the middle of building the avengers tower for the fifth time the milano from guardians of the galaxy which is a better design than he had seen before and is also building the millennium falcon like he's just looking at building a whole bunch of shit but what you're not going to build is something to fill that hole in your heart exactly exactly let's get instead of talking about minecraft because this isn't omg craft or any of the other you know you we ain't trying to get the kids here Instead, let's talk about the news, where the first news story is a show that's trying to get the kids. The Rocketeer, the comic book from the 30s um, that was made into a movie back in 91, when I was two, is set to return as an animated series on Disney Junior. Now, for those of you guys who are older and or live outside of America, Disney Junior is the little kids programming stuff this is where you see vampirina and um oh gosh i'm trying to do some of the other ones my my niece luckily watches more of the nickelodeon stuff but it's it's a lot of like blues clues sesame street age range of kids to use two other programs that don't air on disney junior at all mickey mouse clubhouse is another very popular one the interesting thing with this and that has me a little slightly worried is that they could be trying to do like a vampirina or a mickey mouse clubhouse to the rocketeer now i don't know what either of those things are so i I, I understand what mickey mouse is the mickey mouse club existed from before i was even a kid but i don't know what the modern references are to it well mickey mouse clubhouse is basically uh mickey mouse adventures you know done in the blues clues style of do do you see a tv like behind me in the okay middle. so it's not it's not the mickey mouse club like the kids no sitting around. it's yeah it's mickey and all the other cartoon characters they're doing and the the thing with them is he has a thing called toodles which it looks like a mickey mouse style uh, speaking spell where it has four different things that would help throughout the story and you say cheers as you're doing the thing i i wish i could say that i was I know this from from my niece, but no, I've watched it before my niece was even born. So it's just, you know, because I'm that big of a nerd and it's like, yeah, let's watch this. Why not? Uh, But then Vampirina is very like it's taking the uh, vampires and the, you know, like that type of stuff and making it really, really kitty, really young and all that. So I'm like, all right, cool. Not my style, but sure. Well, it's it's for it's for children but so so your concern is that they're gonna skew young for the kids show it's well it's it it, to me it seems like the rocketeer is to reimagine the story aiming it towards kids two to seven you know along with their families it seems really weird when it was originally a pg-rated movie no I'll, i'll go even weirder for you so the Rocketeer for a long time, the girlfriend of the Rocketeer was Betty Page. Uh, Betty Page 
it was a pinup model yeah. and um, and like very popular disappeared. People thought she was dead for a long time. So this the, the people just started using her likeness in the book as the girlfriend. They had to change it for the movie. Uh, they had Jennifer Connelly play uh, Jenny, I think, as opposed to Betty. But it was it was still like trying to be a hearkening back to the fact that it was about Betty Page was the basis for the girlfriend in that. I don't see Betty Page working in a cartoon series well, for uh, four and five year olds. And where I saw it in here, it said that it's going to follow Kit, a young girl who receives a surprise package on her birthday, revealing she's next in line to become the Rocketeer. A legendary superhero who has the ability to fly with the help of a rocket-powered jetpack. Armed with her cool new gear and secret identity, Kit is ready to take flight and save the day with her gadgets. Gadget-minded best friend, Tesh, and airplane mechanic, Uncle Ambrose, um, who join her on her epic adventures. What it seems like to me is they are doing... Yeah, they're doing a legacy. They're using the Rocketeer name and applying it to a younger viewer's where as opposed to using you know really utilizing the history that the Rocketeer comic has with it. Which sounds adequate to be a new style of Dora the Explorer, which seems yeah. appropriate. Yeah. yeah and it's, Young girl it's, goes off on adventures, maybe do some stuff where it ties into science because the Rocketeer is, has got a cool kind of science tie-in. Yeah. That's and honest I guess that's where it'll ease my thoughts is that it does turn, you know, more like they say pro steam or, you know, science, technology, engineering, art and math. Um, yeah, they do it as like a, a, a pre stem kind of thing for for young girls to help teach them and get them interested in the sciences. That's yeah. fantastic. You know, no, I, yeah, I love definitely. to see that happen. And I mean, the Rocketeer property hasn't been used much at all. And since the movie came out in 91, it's a little quaint. I guess for modern moviegoers. Yeah. Yeah, and and having a legacy character is is a good way to introduce it to new viewers because you can make references, probably subtle references to what came before, but introduce a new character, so it's kind of like a Kamala Khan sort of thing that Marvel does. I like it. I don't have any issue with it. It would be a little bit weirder if it was like a preschooler version of Wolverine and Deadpool hanging out. Yeah. I was I was looking at the Rocketeer to see when the last time it came. It was you know as a comic book was out, and it the last series was in uh, December 2015, and and it's uh, it's been through IDW. So I mean, it, I'm not super worried, but at the same time, it's like, all right, how is this going to work? Sort of deal. Um, yeah, Dave Stevens was the creator, and Dave Stevens uh, worked on it throughout the entire time that I knew about it, uh, but he passed away in 2008. So the fact that it's still in there is it's obviously they've got to go through new versions. I, I can't imagine that it's, it's remained as popular without him being the the spearhead for it. The next story that we got here is about basically it's about the Disney Fox merger, you know, with the movie, you know, for X-Men movies and all that stuff. Um, this is also going to have talks a little bit about Brian K. Vaughn doing Silver Surfer. Silver Surfer. And so this is this is an interesting thing here because this sort of ties in with the news that came out with because I believe what I mentioned it last week when we talked about Black Panther how Marvel only has you know five movies out or you know like five or six movies out for the next three years you know that they've unveiled 
and turns around, you know, today they announce Disney announces their whole slate up to 2023, I believe where they're, but it's all untitled, 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 untitled. Yeah. It, they didn't announce shit. They just said, yeah. Hey, uh, keep this spot open for us. We're going to, we're going to squeeze something in there. And, and it's well, like a little bit of them was like, like they, they bumped up Avengers infinity war, I think a week or two. Because which, I told them that they were being dicks for putting out an Avengers movie on May the 4th. But, and, well, and, and that's right. Fucking, yeah. they listened to me. But I know what I'm talking about. But here's, here's the other part on that. Because that Avengers Infinity War was set up to be the free comic book movie. Now, we don't have a movie coming out during free comic book weekend. But we'll have a movie that will actually be out. Well, yeah. But, I mean, it's... Because it, it would have been out for a week. You know, in there, which I mean, yeah, okay, it doesn't do much, but it that to me seems weird. Like, you know, because I think we've had it the past what three, four years where the movie there was a comic book movie that was out the first weekend of May, right? And, and it wasn't always Marvel that did it. And you know, where's DC? Where's where's Valiant stepping up? Where's one of these Image Brothers doing their their thing? Where we have no shortage of of movie material coming from comic books right now so i i don't really feel like for them for the movies to like the movies don't give a shit about the comic industry anyways yeah. <laughs> at this point they're they're not doing anything to help comic books if you if you go off of like perlmutter the whole thing of fox having the x-men and the fantastic four comics didn't want to do shit to help promote those they basically tried to sideline the characters as much as possible to not make them profitable and once Marvel has them, the Marvel Film Studios has them. Well, the Marvel Film Studios already don't want to work with Ike and his people on their properties anyways. They Getting them kicked out seems to have worked better for the Marvel films than it has for the Marvel TV shows. So I don't know. I don't, I don't really feel like moving it a week has done anything other than give it more of a spread between it and Deadpool and, and certainly between it and Solo. So if they if they feel like we don't want to be, be competing with our own properties, even if they're coming from another company, then we should just try to stretch this out a little bit more than we already were. Because yeah. Deadpool had gotten moved up in that middle section. It wasn't there originally. So it maybe they blinked a little bit. Maybe they said, oh, well, now that we've got Deadpool in between us, yeah, we and, should try to give a little more room. And B is bringing up two, two good points here. Um, and he's bringing up that, you know, like with the Silver Surfer part, He's going, uh, couldn't this be Fox looking if Brian is quote unquote good enough to get him or to give him a shot at a saga adaptation if this succeeds? And I'm sitting there thinking he doesn't need a shot if any of the executives read the first issue of saga. They'd be like, I want to do this right fucking now. Even never, put it in, never put it past an executive to be stupid as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, okay, and B BT even adding as a screenwriter, you can look at the comic book and go, okay, that's the storyboard for that, it and all that, that stuff. That every comic book would be made into a movie at this point. I I I get what Beat's saying. The the thing is that hasn't Brian done stuff in in TV and and stuff before? I I thought he worked on yeah. Lost for a while. I think the last one he did was Under the Dome. He did under the dome as well. Yeah, he worked on Lost in the a little bit in the third season, and then mostly in the fourth and fifth seasons. 
He worked on the uh, Daredevil series. He's uncredited, but he has has been associated with that. And his Runaway show is coming out. So he's got some cred, but we're talking about him writing a script for a movie. And then how many hands does that go through before it actually gets made? If it gets made. What this is more interesting about is that Fox is kind of like, have you ever had surgery? And, you, and you've got surgery scheduled for the morning. And so your doctor tells you, no, you can't eat anything after midnight the night before because we're going to have you in there early and we don't want to have to be fishing around and pulling out fish sticks from your insides while we're doing it. So at 1150, you're just pounding every fucking thing in the fridge. <laughs> you're just like, God damn it. I can't do anything in 10 minutes. But right now I'm eating it all. <laughs> um <laughs> And that's what it feels like to me is going on with Fox is is Fox is, well, you know, they're they're going to close us down. Let's let's just do every fucking thing we can until we get the final word that we can't do that anymore. And some of these projects will probably never happen. Looking at you, Gambit, some of these projects may happen and, and may be excellent and maybe the things that get Disney to pay attention to go, well, shit, you know, these people did some pretty good work over here on the, the X-Men stuff before we got them back, maybe we should let them come do stuff for us. Maybe not the X-Men again, but maybe something else in our, our properties. Yeah, I, I sort of look at this in both ways because Be- Beat's also pointing out, you know, couldn't the D- DOJ uh, still fuck up the merger? And yeah, because I mean, it's the article points out that this is very similar to what, you know, th- with the plans with the Sony deal with Spider-Man with, leading up to Civil War. You know, they had contingencies and it's one of those things that I, I look at this and I go where the DOJ could definitely fuck this up. Comcast could even fuck this up because they're, they are supposedly in talks with making a play for Fox as well. For a portion of Fox. And and one of the, the parts that is more tempting to, to make the purchase of them, which I guess is a company that Fox can buy in in Britain, which has to do, I think, with more new stuff. I'm not sure exactly what it was, um, Sky, but it didn't sound like it probably. Yeah, the Sky Network. Yeah, exactly. And so I don't know that I don't know how much of what Disney wants from the Fox deal is that if it's if it's a huge thing, sure. But how much does Comcast want to have the rights to doing X-Men and Fantastic Four movies at this point when we've seen that it's been a really mixed bag and most of it is like pencil shavings compared to oolong tea that is the success rate of these films like absolutely you gotta admit deadpool and logan have been high points but as of today we haven't seen what deadpool 2 is actually going to do and we know there's no follow-up to logan because that motherfucker's gone so we don't know how new mutants is going to work but it turns out that they're retooling that a little bit while they're pushing the the movie back to next year we don't know how that next X-Men movie is going to work under Singer with Dark Phoenix or whatever. It, it's still kind of like who really benefits from getting these characters other than Disney? Yeah. Disney getting all their stuff back under one house. Huge. Anybody else picking up Fox and saying, oh, yeah, we 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 get this and we get these stu- these things. It's like, I don't really care about those things. Nobody seems to give a shit about a Fantastic Four movie. Do you know how to make a Fantastic Four movie? I sure as fuck don't. Why don't we just let that shit go back to the people? We'll we'll take a check. You know, if, if we acquire it, yeah, cut us some money and, and we'll give you this stuff back. We're, we'll be glad to lose this portion of it. But I don't know. I, I, I see this as 
Beat is pointing out there's still two years before the deal would really be finalized, and that's if it's finalized. In that two years' time, do you just not make anything, or you do make everything? Lean towards making everything. Stuff goes into development hell for years anyways. The amount of times that movies have have started to, like, oh, this got optioned. Oh, it's got picked up. We got people work on it and everything. And then, like, five years later, you go, whatever the fuck happened to that Sandman movie that Joseph Gordon-Levitt was going to do? Not a goddamn thing happened to it. That's the thing, is it just, it wilted away. A lot of these will wilt away. Like, like every other fucking thing that goes on a movie theater, studio. But take the risks while you can. Yeah. It, if, you're, if you're riding high from a, a couple of big successes, and you've got attention anyways, and this is the only chance you're going to get to do this, do it. You know, I'll, make every fucking effort. I'll, I'll put it, I'll, I'll phrase it this way, and, and then I'm going to move, because you gave me the perfect transition to our next story here this is a great way for whether it is disney or comcast if they you know end up going like well we want to buy all of it or or what or whatever to go and look at you know with these two with these movies that that will be released at the final ends of fox or possibly the final ends of fox at going okay who who do they cast in these who who is writing who is directing if they've done good enough work and you, you've hit this before then go okay well we will continue on with this with them as you know like you know like bringing over the, i'm pretty sure they would bring over ryan reynolds to play deadpool in the marvel cinematic universe you know it, and it would definitely would be a more censored version of deadpool it wouldn't be the um i'm gonna call your left leg uh thanksgiving your right leg christmas now let me meet you between the holidays you know, you won't get lines like that it, with him coming into the to the MCU, but it'll still be him. He'll still have that charisma and all that, that he brings to the character. And I could see it working really good still, you know, especially as a tryout, like, you know, especially with the New Mutants, like um, the actress who plays Magic in there, freaking, I'm like, okay, yeah, she looks like, like, like Ileana Rasputin, like how I picture her, especially with the... I'm not going to dress like a slut, but I'm going to dress more like a punk sort of phase that she went through a couple times. But I, I mean, I don't know. And like I said, you, you led me great uh, with a great segue about Sandman and Neil Gaiman. And now this isn't an imprint, right? It is just uh, this, the Sandman universe here. It's that Gaiman's going to be overseeing. It's not a new imprint, right? Well, it's it's hard to say. It it's being looked at as a, an introduction of Sandman offshoot tales. So what we're talking about is Neil Gaiman, who is the creator of the Sandman comics uh, that were huge in the '90s under Vertigo, which was an imprint of DC Comics. It was their mature readers, non superhero focused stories. A lot of the characters did cross over with the DC universe proper at first, and then they kind of like pulled back from that and and that's where Constantine was Alan Moore Swamp Thing Sandman Sandman Mystery Theater which is another thing all these things kind of happened and then most of the books finished off Vertigo eventually went away essentially uh Karen Berger left I think it still kind of exists but there's not much to it anymore it's... so but when when Neil stopped when he finished off the Sandman books he said I would prefer that you not use these characters if you 
feel like you want to use them, you know, come to talk to me. I, I'll do work for you on them again when I'm up for it. But if you if you use them without my presence or OK, then I'm probably never going to work for you again, which is an absolutely fair thing to say. He, he didn't say you don't own this uh, or you should never do this without me. It was just like we have a good working relationship right now. If you want to continue having a good re working relationship with me, th this is a request that I have. So Neil is coming in and he's plotting some Sandman universe stuff. There's a Sandman universe book, which kind of like starts off the series. And then there will be four series that spin out of it. Some of which we've, we've kind of seen things before with uh, these characters or with similar books like them. So one of them is the dreaming, but the rule of the dreaming, as I understand it, is that it will not involve the dream aspect of the endless, no Morpheus, no Daniel, uh, but it will have other characters that have been used in Sandman in the dreaming to run it. Uh, I think uh, Lucian, who's the librarian from the Sandman books, and also Matthew the Raven are, are part of it. And it will be them trying to work with what's going on in the dreaming without dream or Daniel actually there. So it's kind of a mystery thing because I think they're wondering where he is. This is being written by Cy Spurrier based off of plots that are given to him by Neil. Are you sure that's not Sandman Universe? That Because uh, looking at Newsrama, it's, that one says it's plotted by Neil Gaiman and written by Cy Spurrier, Nalo Hopkinson, uh, Dan Walters, and Kat Howard, where the dreaming just says it's written by Cy Spurrier. Right. I think he gave loose plots to everybody for these universe books. Okay. So he, he officially plots the, the first book, the Sandman universe, but then all of the other things are things that he's kind of spearheaded the ideas and said, all right, this is, this is kind of like my roadmap for this deviate where you think you need to deviate. But he, it sounds like he's probably going to oversee or at least be a, a mentor that you go to for advice on things. And I don't know how involved he'll be in it, but Everything at the very beginning is based off of him saying, okay, this is what I think we should do, and then getting the team together to do it. it it's based off of a couple of different articles that I've read. The second book is House of Whispers. Now, there was a House of Secrets and a House of Mystery that have both existed in the Dreaming that were based off of old titles from DC Comics way back. They were kind of like equivalents of the uh, EC Comics. This is going to be a new idea that is brought in in the same kind of vein as those two other things those involve the characters kane and abel uh this one is new characters new things but i think they introduce a house of whispers in something in one of the books it might have been the last sandman series that they did a couple years ago but unfortunately i wasn't i haven't read that one yet that one's going to be written by nalo hopkinson uh, the artist is to be determined. A lot of the artists on this haven't been announced yet. The only artist I think that has been announced is on the Sandman Universe number one, which is by Neil with all the different writers. Uh, and it's art by Bilquis Evely. Next one is Lucifer, which is the character that we know from the TV series that was spun off from Vertigo, Vertigo series that came out of Sandman initially, although not normally a procedural in the Vertigo universe. And it doesn't look like it's going to be this one either. Uh, in this one, he's blind. And uh, there's some completely different kind of feelings for what's going on with the character. He's a blind, destitute old man who lives in a small boarding house in a quiet little town where nothing is quite like quite what it seems. 
and no one can leave. He's trapped. So another new take on Lucifer. They they keep going back to the character in in the the books, and that one's going to be written by Dan Waters. And finally, Books of Magic. Now, Books of Magic is the book about Tim Hunter. A lot of people who read the book in the 90s see Tim Hunter as Harry Potter before there was a Harry Potter. Uh, He's a kid who is a powerful magician. He does grow up to be a teenager in the series as it goes along. Uh, And and that's what he's going to be in this. But if you ever get a chance to read the original Books of Magic by Neil Gaiman, Harry Potter owes a lot to this. It's a yeah. little weird that they're all, I think, also done by Warner Brothers. But this is going to be written by Cat Howard. And yeah, it's so Lucifer, Books of Magic, The Dreaming, House of Whispers, all things that have spun out of stuff that Neil's done. Neil's done this before. He's had books. Uh, there have been other books that were done by other creators that were under his guidance because they spun out of Sandman. Uh, Colleen Doran, I think a lot of the artists that he's worked with has has done this, where they she did some stuff with like the Young Endless, and I think some of the other characters like the Dead Boy Detectives was one I think I remember. It's interesting, but the problem with Neil Gaiman stuff is you want to read it by Neil Gaiman, and not a lot of people remember Techno Comics, which was another comic company in the '90s. It was out for a little while there. Techno Comics introduced this whole new universe of things. And it was a sci-fi based comic company that had Leonard Nimoy was one of the people who was writing for it. Neil Gaiman was another one. And there were a few others. They were not actually written by these people, though. It was like their name. So Leonard Nimoy's this and Neil Gaiman's Technophage, I think, was one of the ones that he did. All these books that had their names on it and again, loose plots and ideas, but they weren't doing the actual work. And as soon as people started reading the stuff and realized that it wasn't them doing the books, they kind of wasted it. It wasn't as enticing. If I'm reading a Neil Gaiman story, I want Neil Gaiman to be doing the story. I have a problem when they do comic adaptations of his novels and it's not him doing the writing for that. We know he can write comic books. We know he can script. So it's a little annoying to see someone else picking up the baton for that. It's not always bad, but I didn't want to buy Neverwhere written by some other person. I wanted to buy Neverwhere by Neil Gaiman and then, you know, with the artist on it. So it's a little it's a little iffy to me as to how popular these are going to be. I think it's going to depend how much people perceive Neil being involved with it beyond just saying, here's some ideas. Go do this. See what happens. I think this could fit in perfectly with it being in Vertigo because right now the current seasons, and this is according to Vertigo Comics' website, the current series that they have there are American Way, Those Above and Those Below, Astro City, which is its longest comic that they've had, you know, too recent. Which which is still weird that it's a Vertigo book. Yeah. Uh, But Astro City's jumped from a lot of different places to to finally land at Vertigo. It, It was an image. Yeah. or homage uh, back in the day when it originated. Uh, it, it's, it, it was in DC's just publishing house and not necessarily under an imprint like that. Yeah. It's jumped um, around. Yeah. Deathbed, which is its newest one. Imaginary Friends, which was last year. And then Motherlands, which is another new newer one um, with Deathbed number one uh, being written by Joshua Williamson, who's doing The Flash or was doing The Flash. 
and with the art by Riley Rosmo. But yeah, so I could easily see, you know, if they do this, they, you know, they put it where it's going to be in vertigo again, then you've essentially doubled the imprint with the comics that they've got right there. And you bring something home to vertigo that vertigo is missing. One of the things yeah. that they did really shit on vertigo was they took John Constantine and Swamp Thing back into the DC universe and it made Vertigo seem even less compelling than it already was because the main titles that it was known for were were now gone. You know, yeah. so it, since Sandman hadn't been getting published for a long time uh, and there were other Vertigo books that had come and gone, this was kind of like, yeah, we're just going to put the, the death nail into it. What's What's weirder, though, is that right now I know that Daniel has been showing up in Dark Knight's Metal, correct? Yes. So I there think, is, yeah. again, some mainstream DC Universe crossover happening with endless characters. And and Neil's been a part of that, and he's he's been involved in it. Uh, one of the things that they tried to do in a book not too long ago is they tried to introduce somebody called Kid Endless, and it was like a, a direct rip of the endless characters by Neil. And I think when that got leaked to Neil, Neil put the kibosh on it, which is another thing that I want to say about this. So the question is the motivation. Why is Neil doing this? Why is he interested in, in putting out these books that he's not really writing himself? And, and some, there's certainly a monetary thing, but the other part of it is that right now we know DC is not doing a great job. in in my personal opinion, of treating past creators with a lot of respect of giving them their due for their work. We talked about the characters from America's Best Comics being used in other comics, like J.H. Williams's association with Alan Moore on Promethea, and then Chris Sprouse's uh, work with Alan Moore on Tom Strong. That's supposed to be being used in the terrifics and neither of those creators being asked to use the character, being told that they were using the characters, uh, taking them and in, in, inserting them into DC mainstream universe proper without even consulting them. Now, Alan Moore, they've already shit on with all the Watchmen stuff and uh, Dave Gibbons, same thing. It's like, yeah, this we're just going to keep using it and fuck you guys. And I feel like that's a bad space to be in. But Here's Neil Gaiman, and Neil Gaiman's already in that corner of if you guys want to use my stuff without my involvement, then you just won't have my involvement any further. They've had a good relationship with him. Uh, they screwed up the relationship with the artist who did the last Sandman series with J.H. Williams, but sure. How do you keep that good relationship? Well, Neil, we would love to do more Sandman stuff. We would love to do more Sandman stuff with you. Do you have anything you want to do? Well, lads... He said to sound British, uh, I would I would love to do some more stuff. I don't have any new Sandman things at the moment, but I could give you some stuff to work with. I would lead your team along. You know, I'll I'll help pick the people that work on this and it will be Sandman esque, you know, and sure, that sounds great. That certainly sounds like a better pitch than Kid Endless by somebody who has nothing to do. <laughs> with Neil or or any of his work. So, yeah, let, let's go with that. And that that's the thing is, is this a stopgap to allow Neil to keep working with DC while not really working on DC stuff at the moment? 
but to keep that relationship well founded when they're they're having bad luck with relationships not bad luck they're they're causing problems with yeah. other creators who they should have good relationships with you know only time will tell the other thing that i've been looking at with this is you know because they've got you know a lot of characters and i feel like what they could do to help you know help with this is you know like again talk about the creators thing um because i finally watched uh robert kirkman's secret secret history of comics that beat has been like you need to watch it you need to watch it you need to watch it and all that stuff and they i watched the episode that was talking about milestone media i didn't Um, know that robert kirkman's secret history of comics was actually called snowpiercer (laughs) <laughs> no this was his beats new snowpiercer <laughs> like from watching that i'm like okay i want to see more in the comics now more of these other you know like the milestone characters you know like i know static shock from you know the tv show static shock never really read any of the comics you know never really read any of the other stuff and they had it a while back ago and i know it sort of fell through because of uh Dwayne McDuffie's passing but it's like we could still you guys could still do stuff here come on you know get these characters out there but yeah we th- th- and that's going to do it for the news actually um well just real fast let, yeah. let's get let's let's do an opinion scan you have not read any sandman correct no correct so not having that knowledge going in do any of these books grab your attention or any of these things like, oh, I'd like to check that out. Like, if you've watched Lucifer, do you want to check out the Lucifer book? Or it's uh, well, because I've I've drummed into your brain now that Tim Hunter was Harry Potter. Uh, <laughs> do you like Harry Potter and want to read a book about him as a teenager? I think, and honestly, this is probably what what I will end up doing is I will probably pick up um, the Sandman universe number one. You know, because that seems like it's the the entry point. You know the marvel legacy dc rebirth you know for for this you know where it's going to be simple enough for the new people coming in but yet going to bring enough new stuff for the veteran readers to you you like that what i did there instead of calling you old where you know it's going to help fill you know both of us and then go from from there you know, knowing that this is going to lead into four books, then I can go, okay, well, the dreaming one sounded really, you know, looked really good or, you know, the house of whispers sounded really good, you know, like with, with however it could be like, you know, it could be like, all right, now I've got another problem. I like all four books and, you know, I ain't got time to read comics, you know, <laughs> you know, that could be the, and I hope that's the, the problem. You know, I hope that's the case is it's just, oh my gosh, all four of these books are really good. And I want to read them all. And, you know, which I mean, that just means you know it's probably going to be like one one a week, you know, for in the month. I, I probably will start off with Sandman Universe. They all sound good, but they don't sound for me, anyways. You know, not reading any of Sandman in the past to go. Okay, I'm going to do this to then have you know I'm going to commit to these. It's like let's do the tester and see how I fare with that. Yeah, there's not the instant nostalgia yeah. pull again. Uh, that it, that is going to yank you into this because you don't have an experience with the characters at all, and that's that's and, completely fair. Is is how do how do we take this and make it exciting for new readers? Now, one is if you're at a comic store, the first thing you do is say, "Well, let's get you reading some Sandman stuff." All those trades exist. All those stories are out there. 
yeah. it's it's a pretty incredible journey to go on. So you should be reading that now to prep yourself for this. Yeah. Uh, I always recommend if you look at the density of the Sandman series and say, well, that seems a little intimidating. Uh, and it's it's a it's a flavor that you have to kind of be into to get into it because it's 90s goth comic books, <laughs> really. <laughs> uh, I, I would almost say the goth movement owes as much to Sandman as it does The Cure uh, or Bauhaus or any other number of uh, goth bands. But start with Death, the High Cost of Living. It, it Death is Dream's sister. Her book is much lighter. It's a, it's a four-issue miniseries. It's collected in the trade. It is a well-rounded one-shot story that gives you everything you need in that one book. Yeah. Uh, you can go from that to death time of your life. But certainly, if you start with the high cost of living, I have not found any single person that I've gotten to read that book to say that, oh, that just wasn't for me. And and it's, to me, just the best entry point into Neil's work and into the whole thing with the endless. Yeah. Awesome. I will... I will definitely do that when I get caught up on comics. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, that is going to do it here for the news, and we will be right back. Corey, tell us about our new ad. <laughs> or, sorry, our new sponsor. Hey, friends. I want to talk to you a little bit about home security and the best way to take yourself and your stuff. Now, we have been pitching some different units like the uh, the home video doorbells, and the home video systems you can check out online, and that's all great. But you know what? No one fucking watches a replay and thinks, oh, yeah, now it all makes sense that that guy dropped the ball. It's like, no, he dropped the ball. You're still out the points. It doesn't help. So home video uh, surveillance of your front yard when someone's stealing your Amazon package doesn't do shit. You know what does shit? Dropping a 1,000 lemurs from the sky. And that's why it, with the new spring doorbell, and home security system, we are going to take care of you. We're going to upgrade you from just something that's going to let you sit and watch and, and piss and moan when somebody comes up and grabs your new fucking blender off your front porch. It's going to instead utilize the drones of the company that just acquired Spring, Glamazon, and uh, it will <laughs> fly them overhead. So when someone comes up to your front door and it's not someone that you know or want to talk to, we will drop literally a thousand lemurs on their heads now lemurs you might say cute little monkey type creatures what kind of damage do they do one-on-one -on -one, not much i swear to you they're, they're they're cuddly they're sweet they're fun you can knock them right over you can punt them but a thousand lemurs will fuck your day up and that's why when you sign up at spring.com slash else purge we will bring you the first thousand lemurs for free We'll drop them out of the sky in our patented drones uh, wearing Alfred E. Newman masks, and they will just completely <laughs> scare the fuck out of anybody who comes over asking for sugar unwanted, who just wants to talk to you about the good Lord Jesus, whatever you need. So please sign up today, spring.com slash elsepurge, get a purge of lemurs from the air, and protect your shit. Spring.com, stay the fuck off my lawn. Just a disclaimer, feces removal not included. And we are back, and it is time for the Else Views. This is, of course, the section of the show where we talk about the movies, TV shows, video games that we've been playing, music we've been listening to, whatever, and we share them with you. Now, I'm going to go first, just because mine's going to be really quick. I've seen the latest, um, and I realize I've only not seen, like, maybe 
four or five of the DC animated movies. Um, but this is the latest one. This is Gotham by Gaslight. This is the straight up elsewhere or elseworlds tale of what Gotham City would have been like in Victorian London or in Victorian England. Which you might think, oh great, British Batman. No, everyone in here is American. Yet it is in that style of like it's all you know the Victorian times. So right there, I'm like, um, couldn't a cast like one Englishman in here in a lead role, you know, or an English accent where it's not just the, oh, it's essentially the Harvey Bullock character, the uh, deputy to uh, Jim Gordon. Oh, he's the one that you're going to do not only English, but, but do the stereotypical Scottish and all that, you know, going, oh, basically just going, oh, top of the morning. And all that stuff. Actually, I think it's more Irish, but whatever. So, basic plot point of this, if you don't know, um, because I don't know how well it's based on the Gotham by Gaslight uh, story, you know, from from the comics. But you are in here. You're in, you know, this time period, and um, all of a sudden they have, you know, they have Jack the Ripper, and he is murdering whores and women of ill repute and all that. And we, Batman, we, proper term is sex worker. Yes, true, true. Well, but no, there's other there's other types in there. Like I know, the, classically they were called different things, but yeah. It, it, but, but no, in in here it's like in there, like later on, he he kills a he he murders a nun, who her only crime is the fact that she, you know, runs an orphanage, and it's like all above board. Like she's helping, you know, doing nunly duties of helping the needy. And she gets knife, you know, knifed and all that stuff. It's cool to see because of the fact that we get such an interesting take on classic DC, uh, classic Batman characters. Um, for example, Poison Ivy's in here, or I should say, Pam Isley is in here, and her, I believe her burlesque character is actually named uh, Ivy or something like that. And then she's spoiler alert, one of the victims. But you get Selena Kyle. There's a nice little Easter egg to dick grayson jason todd and the the third robin tim drake would be the third yeah. robin he, he's unnamed but i'm assuming it's tim drake as their little orphans and stuff so much so even playing to the fact that jason being the hot-headed one saying it like they're a boy band or something i don't know why but i mean it's really enjoyable movie i mean it it's a little slow to get into because there is a quite a bit of setup but and it's only what an hour hour and a half long you know more closer to the hour and a half than the two hour mark but yeah it's really enjoyable now with the like i do like i do with all dc movies i did this last month with batman and harley quinn the child rating i would i would say probably 12 year old 12 year 12 year olds and higher would, would be where i would say it and i think it's the first time i'm actually giving an age but it's mainly because there's a lot of swearing well not a lot but there's quite a bit of swearing and then with how they shoot some scenes, like uh, there's a scene in here where Batman, a.k.a. Bruce Wayne, meets up with, and I use the air quote, it meet up with Selena Kyle. And you see her as she's going behind the the screen changing thingy. I forget what that's called. And she's got the blanket around or the sheets around her. And 
oh, they're going down to the, sh- you see the, her back and all that stuff. And he's, she's going down basically to butt crack. And, uh, and then it goes down and, you know, see it fall as she's walking behind there, you know, assuming that she is naked. And then there's some of the, like the violent stuff does get a little, especially with the sound, the Foley work is great on here with, I mean, with the murdering of the women, you know, to hear, not that I would know, but how realistic it sounds, but then that could be a little bit much for a kid. Um, Yeah. And, and, and so one of the things that I commonly complain about of the current state of DC's direct video cartoons is that it seems to be leaning more and more mature, risque, over-sexualizing characters and stuff. But when it comes to an Elseworlds type story like this one, it makes sense in this. Yeah. Uh, Because this is, one, how the book really was to begin with. The book was by Brian Augustine and Mike Mignola, uh, who people would know from Hellboy. It was always a, a mature title. It was never meant for young kids. So doing an adaptation of that, I expect them to go in that direction. It, it's more of the stuff that feels like a continuation of the Batman, the animated series universe. Yeah. As they try to do more stuff that that's supposed to be in relation to that. And that leaning so mature, that's the part that, that gives me the heebie-jeebies. You, you're just discovering that cartoon series for the first time, and it, and it skews at a certain age range, and then all of a sudden it shoots up to... Uh, PG thirteen, it's tough for me to to say that that's the right decision to make, but in this, yeah. I, I'm okay with it. Yeah, and I mean, it's. I'm trying to see what the list of the movies is. You know, after this, because like I watched it through movies anywhere, the and they did the what's the next one uh, coming up, and it's Suicide Squad Hell to Pay. It seems like what they're doing now, they're sort of getting away with or moving away from well they're based on the justice league movie or justice league tv show or you know the continuation of batman the animated series um like like the batman and harley quinn one was a continuation but it seemed but it was i think that was more because of the fact that it was bruce tim wanting to tell a or was it bruce tim or was it paul dini it's bruce tim bruce tim wanting to tell a story in that universe it seems like they're going more into Let's use these characters and tell tell an interesting story, but not something that's hardcore tied to the you know like we we got to stick to our storyline here with you know like Son of Batman and Justice League War and you know the uh, the Flashpoint Paradox even where you know we've got the same voice actors doing Batman. The interesting part for me was is you know the, the voice cast that they have in here from doing the voice uh, i don't know if you remember you remember the show limitless that i didn't watch it the female lead in there she plays selena kyle jennifer and carpenter she, she yeah. was the sister on dexter yeah john dimaggio he's he's the one that like i mean it's like also like he's the one who's doing the irish accent but i mean it's john dimaggio for crying out loud who's playing chief bullock i mean everyone in here they really seem it seems really great the one that threw me was Scott Patterson. He, he plays, he, he was on Gilmore Girls. He, uh, he played Luke Danes in there. From what I remember watching Gilmore Girls, like I didn't really watch a lot. It's all been through watching repeats. Like he does not, he sounds like he's doing a completely different voice, but still making it sound natural. But yeah. I also I, like I how you, you made the stink about nobody sounds British. And then they have Anthony Stewart head playing Alfred. 
that's the exception here. Him and John DiMaggio are the only two that are, but, but I mean, I'm talking about, you have a Gotham in Victorian, uh, a Victorian era Gotham city, you know, uh, doing the assumptions that it's all in there because they mentioned London and they only have the steam train and all that stuff. And you have Jack the Ripper, but yet no one else besides two characters, Chief Bullock and Alfred speak with an English accent. I well, mean, I guess it's probably better than getting a cast together that you want to work with and then somebody going all Kevin Costner and dropping in and out of the fucking English accent the entire time. <laughs> but no, I mean, it's really good. Honestly, I have to agree with a lot of the, like from looking on the reception page here on Wikipedia, I have to agree with a lot with a few of the people. Cause I mean, I say a lot, but like it, it I would put it at about, you know, like a seven, like seven, eight, nine out, on out of 10, you know, somewhere right, you know, right there. I mean, it's really good. I'm honestly excited to see the next two movies. They've got they've got two announced so far. Uh, Suicide Squad: Hell to Pay, which from watching that tra- uh, that trailer, it looks like they're doing like a grindhouse style movie, and they're using the characters. Again, this is where it's going to contradict itself, myself, but they're they're using some of the characters that that they've established with Assault on Arkham, but it's a whole new voice cast that they got coming up with that. Christian Slater's doing Deadshot. You got Tara Strong doing Harley Quinn. And then Death of Superman and and the and Reign of the Supermen. That looks from what I've seen with that, that looks really cool as well. So I mean I, I'm I'm excited for what they've got. I I still have high hopes for the DC animated movies where I haven't loved every single you know movie and we've had thir- holy crap, we've had 30 movies. I've enjoyed them for what they have been. So Corey, a lot of people would say that my review was a futile and stupid gesture, but you and they would, would be that, right. Yeah, yeah, and they would be <laughs> right, but they would not say that it was a review of a futile and stupid gesture. No, and 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 they would again be right. Yeah, uh, because, because you're providing us that one. <laughs> I am. So futile and stupid gesture. I I saw. I was flipping through Netflix, and the new Netflix style is a little annoying. Where you you go on to any selection and it instantly starts playing you a trailer for whatever the show or movie is that you you are potentially going to watch. It it just like it doesn't even give you the option, which is bothersome, especially if you want to leave a Netflix page open on your laptop at work so you can get back <laughs> to where you were on your lunch break and and continue watching this show. But this one kind of caught my eye and I didn't know exactly what it was about. I saw a lot of people that were playing characters that were familiar to me of, of real people, but not doing a great job of it. <laughs> and I'm like, what is this thing all about? A Feudal and Stupid Gesture, which I guess is made as a Netflix original, is by David Wayne from The State, from Stella, from what are the camp movies? Uh, Red Hot American Summer. White Hot American Summer. And also, you know, he, he's done a lot of stuff. He's the director of this. It is a movie about Doug Kenny. Now, Doug Kenny, you hear the name and you probably aren't familiar with it, but I'm pretty goddamn sure you're familiar at least with some of his work. Doug Kenny went from going to Harvard and working on the uh, Harvard Lampoon to establishing with his his friend at the time, 
the National Lampoon magazine. They left Harvard. They both decided to do this magazine together. And from that, National Lampoon got very, very popular. Doug wrote a couple of movies, the first of which was Animal House, and the second of which was Caddyshack. So if you've ever seen Doug, you've probably only seen him one time, and it was in Animal House, and it was in the the rousing speech that was given when they've all kind of gotten beat up and defeated, and they're going to be kicked out of school, and it's right before they go and they take over the parade the next day. Doug Kenny is the one who says, what are we supposed to do, you asshole? Uh, and and is the one who leads the people in the parade, the, leads the band down the blind alley that just cuts off, and the whole band goes following him along and then crashes into the wall as he sneaks out. That's it. That's the only time that I've ever seen Doug, and probably the only time that I've ever, ever actually heard him talk. But Doug Kenny was very prolific in the writing that he did, and he created two of the most beloved comedies of all time, most quoted, most watched on cable. Animal House was incredibly popular when it came out. Caddyshack came out right after Airplane and so didn't hold up as well compared to that. And and there's a scene in this when Doug goes to see it and he's like, my fucking movie is going to tank now. This this is what people are going to want. So it's interesting to see this guy who has made stuff that is still like some of the funniest movies of all time kind of kicking himself for not being something else. But in this, Doug is played by Martin Mull as the narrator and played by Will Forte as Doug when he's in college up through his his years working as the National Lampoon head writer and editor and everything. And there's this really great moment where Martin is pointing out some of the actors who are playing other characters in this. And he's like, yeah, I know some of these people don't look like the people as you know them, but do you think I look like Doug Kenny? Do you think Will Forte looks like a young, a 27-year-old me? Do you think Will Forte looks 27? And it's just like these moments of they're not doing a good job of representing these people as who they are, but just doing a fun job of representing them in this movie. One of the best casting choices to me was Joel McHale plays Chevy Chase. Nice. Which is just awesome. But what I didn't know is that most of the people who went and started in the first season of Saturday Night Live all worked at the National Lampoon when they were doing uh, recordings. I, I knew that they did uh, recordings as the Lemmings. I didn't know that they were all basically stolen by Lorne Michaels to go over, including some of the writers and stuff, were stolen from the National Lampoon to go start Saturday Night Live. And so there's a bit of contention when Gilda Radner and John Belushi and Chevy Chase and all these people leave and doug's like what the fuck you just stole my entire fucking group and, and pulled him over the show and lauren's like hey you know you should come do some writing for us that would be really great and he's like fuck you and he just walks yeah. out it's not a happy movie and I, i'll i'll start out by the fact that there is a reason why doug wasn't involved in caddyshack 2 there's a reason why nobody should have been involved in caddyshack 2 but shortly after caddyshack came out Doug died and there's some contention as to did Doug kill himself or did Doug just get a little too fucking high and accidentally fall off a cliff uh, I've always kind of understood it as that he he killed himself but I couldn't tell you all I know is that the journey that this movie goes on is really good and everybody in it 
does a great job. And and there's some fantastic people all the way through the thing. Uh, Damal Gleason, who I know from being in the most recent Star Wars movies, he's mm-hmm. the the more official Imperial guy that's always fighting about who who should be in charge, him or Kylo Ren. He's also, unrecognizable in this. Yeah, he's he's also one of the three actors that you see in Ex Machina. He's one of Ron's older brothers in the Harry Potter series. Oh, now the Harry Potter thing, I, I should have realized, but I, I haven't seen Ex Machina, so I didn't recognize him he's, from that. Yeah, he's the not the twins. If you go by the you know the, the eldest brother, one who graduates, yeah, kind of right away. Yeah, I think they go to his wedding or something. Yeah, no idea, but. Carlo Gallo from I've, I've seen her a lot on Bones and stuff like I can't remember everybody, but Thomas Lennon, a few people from the state show up. In this Carrie Kinney shows up in it. Natasha Leone. It's just such a stellar cast of people doing great jobs with these parts. Ed Helms is in here. Seth Green. Just It's so cool to watch, to recognize who they're playing and to see this story kind of go along the the perspective of Doug Kenny is kind of a broken individual. Like he's he's constantly fighting for acceptance by his parents, who he thinks don't respect him at all. The fact that we're getting the narration of him as a much older person that he never actually becomes, with Martin Mull doing it, is really good and is an interesting payoff of how they all they explain it all at the end. It is just such a really neat little movie that I Again, like a lot of the stuff that is direct to Netflix, I would have never seen this in the theater. I would have never known it existed if it didn't just show up in the list of choices of Netflix originals to watch. And this is kind of the magic of what Netflix is doing is I'm I'm watching things that I wouldn't have interest in otherwise, not necessarily like no interest. I'm still not watching a ton of their sci-fi stuff because I'm not huge on the sci-fi, but I'm more likely to pick up something randomly because it's there, because it's available, and it's already part of my subscription. But this is a fun little, not documentary, but but drama about a time and, and interesting things. And to see the people who were involved in the National Lampoon and see the people who were involved in the making of these movies. Uh, there was a movie that was about Peter Sellers' life, starring Jeffrey Rush, who did a really good job playing Peter Sellers. And it was, I think it was an HBO original movie uh, that's probably about 10, 15 years ago. And it was that same sort of thing is it played around with the narration a lot. It, it would it would trick you with things. There was points where he would you could tell that Peter would feel uncomfortable with how something actually went. And so he would retell the ending to make himself look better because he's he's basically a narcissist. And so it's like you'd see the scene, you know, well, no, he should be getting fucking chewed out right now. He would replace the character that's arguing with him with himself, because that's the other thing about Peter Sellers. He could play anything. He could play anyone. Uh, he would be in a movie in multiple parts and people would like not necessarily pick up on it. So it's like his his wife or girlfriend would be arguing him and you would see her yelling at him. And then all of a sudden she would change her mind. But the reason she would change her mind is because suddenly Peter Sellers is playing her, too, and being very forgiving all of a sudden. I loved how they use the narration in that I love how they use the narration in this. It's a great little flick. I highly recommend it. It's one of those things that I've been, it's been on my list to go watch, but yeah, it's, I don't know. I've, I've heard mixed things on it. I, I love the poster because the poster is, I believe the first issue. 
it's a, it's a redo of the first issue of the National Lampoon, where you got Will Forte as Doug Kenny standing there, and someone's holding a, a gun to his head and it says, "If you don't watch this movie, we'll we'll uh, we'll kill Will Forte." Yeah, and and the original yeah. cover was, "If you don't read this magazine, we'll shoot this dog," and they reenact that in the in the film. It's it's a lot of fun. I I don't know what people would expect from this one. I wouldn't have expected this movie to even exist. It, it's it's like I wasn't sitting there going, oh, yeah, someone should do a movie about Doug Henny. I wouldn't have argued that they shouldn't. But it's just to see it get made and to see what they they did to differentiate it from just being a straight up like we're not trying to do a well-made, well-represented thing. The characters being played by actors who don't really look anything like them. They they call themselves out on it. I, I think that adds to the charm because they get better actors who wouldn't necessarily look like the people they're portraying, but you still get great representation because of it. Is that a little bit like having a bunch of white people play Asian characters in a movie? No, it's nothing like that. And thank God for it. <laughs> um, but but I can I can see if you're if you're like oh well I'd like to see someone playing Chevy Chase who actually looks like Chevy Chase. Yeah, there's a case to be made for that, but it's so much funnier that it's Joe McHale. Yeah, and and I would honestly say if you're really wanting to watch a biopic about National Lampoon, I would probably say you know doing some watching something like Drunk Stoned Brilliant Dead would be a smarter choice or or a a better choice because I think that's you know where them doing a biopic not paying homage to National Lampoon by National Lampooning his life and stuff like that. But yeah, there's like, just to, to piggyback off of the casts and stuff on here. I mean, there's a lot, like one of them stood out for me just because, you know, British watcher myself, a lot of British TV shows, uh, Matt Lucas is in here. He plays uh Tony Hendra, but yeah, there's a lot of these people in here that are, you know, Chris red is in here. He's on SNL this season really it looks really cool i i think i'll probably end up watching it probably this weekend there are some choices that yeah they're they're weird but it makes sense like rick glassman who was on undateable plays harold ramus i'm like where it's like yeah they don't look alike but i would see him doing that yeah he's got a he's got the right presence for it yeah Corey, you've done it again you've turned me on to a new thing yeah (laughs) it's it's one of those things that if you're if you're like me and you scan through Netflix too long looking for something to watch instead of just choosing something, knowing what you want to watch right away, this this gives you an opportunity to just say, oh, well, but yeah, there's this one thing I, yeah. I heard about, you know, and and I I could have gone either way on it. I really I had no idea what I was in for going in. And the more I watched it, the more appealing it became. Awesome. That is it for us. That's all we have that we want to talk about. And so we will leave you with this. If, if you need help subscribing, you want to share, share with, you know, by all means, share us with your friends. Um, anyone you think that would like our shenanigans that we are doing here, just the easiest way is by sending them the link gncasts.com slash subscribe. That will have all the, that'll have all the links that for us, elsners.com will take you right there too. You could join our the Galactic Network Facebook page over at facebook.com slash galactic netcasts. And you know, we are also you can also find us at Else Nerds over there on Facebook. Notice um, all these things are online. It it's much yeah. better to share with your friends online because if you just show up their house, they're likely to drop a thousand lemurs on you. <laughs> yes, exactly. Much like our sponsor. 
use and remember use promo code else was it else purge else purge yes and you can contact us by leaving us a voicemail at 805-328-3966 or emailing us mail at elsenerds.com and follow the show why don't you we are at elsenerds on twitter you can follow our producer he's at it's beatmaster he's at beatmaster 80 um you could follow me at that gregor and what about levi here we got we want to plug levi's stuff uh yeah i i pulled it out of the dock just because i feel bad that i keep talking about how i haven't posted anything in a while <laughs> uh, but definitely go to donutscomics.com see the stuff that i had put the fucking effort into putting up for a while and uh that i absolutely will at some point get back to you and and at least finish the existing material because it deserves to be out there it deserves to be read and found and enjoyed just as i've been lucky enough to to know it and enjoy it over the years i, I want the new audience to to have that opportunity as well so donutscomics.com if you if you look at Bowyar, you'll see some of the stuff that i help write uh and an, the entire a mass of information that is between the different sites of strobe and shock and everything else i do all of the blogging for the posts so uh yeah you can mock me for shit i said five years ago when i was writing Bowyer the first time <laughs> yeah and the final thing to be said is this has been a don't tell glenn production we will see you next week or else Galactic Network podcast, go to gncast.com. That's gncast.com.